I'm Stephen. And I'm Kevin. And today's episode of the Stephen Kevin Show, we interview Veronica Dagger from the Wall Street Journal. We talk about whether or not you need to go in and clean up your LinkedIn connections and how to prospect in a vacation market. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to episode six of the Stephen and Kevin Show. Uh, we have a lot of great ground to cover with you today. We have questions coming from Twitter, and we have our first question today actually from Instagram, which All is right. which is very great. nice. Some of the Insta peeps are uh, are chiming in, which oh, is nice. Can we edit I, that out, Insta peeps? No, uh, we can't. I, we can't edit that out. You just you just turned off a whole demographic no, are of you people kidding here. Me? Kevin. Come on. Um, well, I also have my handy Starbucks cup today. Oh. I was hoping you would come with a Dunkin' Donuts cup. And to really, you know, show me up, but you didn't. Not so. me, buddy. They're styrofoam. I don't use those. <laughs> well, we have a special guest today. Yeah, yeah. Thanks uh, to Veronica Dagger for joining us. She's a columnist for the Wall Street Journal, and uh, we were reading some of her recent posts. If mm-hmm. you haven't uh, seen some of her work in the Wall Street Journal, check it out. You can get a lot of it online nowadays. And one of the recent articles was called, Say What? Married Couple Request Separate Meetings uh, About Money. I love the Say What series. I like that. Yeah. That's great. And, uh, Veronica, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, so we wanted to, to pick your brain. First of all, maybe you could fill everybody in on what this article is about. It sounds a little bit uh, like an interesting topic, catchy title for sure. What, what's, uh, what's the yeah. story? Yeah. So uh, Say What is a feature that we do when we ask advisors some of the quirky things that they've heard from clients. And a recent feature we wrote about was this advisor, Grant Webster, and he talked about how this married couple, they've been married for, gosh, about 20 years, and they came to their first meeting with him asking for separate meetings. So in other words, the husband wanted to have his own meeting with the advisor, the wife wanted to have her own meeting with the advisor, because in the past, their previous advisors, they just could not talk about fi- their finances in the same room. They would just fight and judge, and it just got oh, wow. messy. And what do they say? It's yeah, one so, of the top reasons for divorce, right? Right. Money, yeah. Money's a, a biggie, for sure. Um, yeah, and so this advisor felt, you know, said, you know, this is a little unusual, say what, <laughs> but uh, I'm willing to give this a try because it sounds like other advisors haven't had luck with this couple, so let me try it. And, you know, he did. He, he did separate meetings for each of them um, over the course of, you know, a couple meetings and talked to them individually about their goals, their collective goals, and with the goal of eventually bringing them together in the same meeting and over time and, and so I guess in between those meetings too he would sort of do this sort of like shuttle diplomacy if you will and he would send summaries of each individual meeting to both members of the couple so they could see what they were all talking about they could get a sense of the things they had in common perhaps some of the issues they might need some work on but over time, through those emails and through those separate meetings, and because of that shell diplomacy of the advisor, the couple was eventually able to uh, have the meetings together with him. It took a <laughs> while, but they eventually were able to uh, communicate. And now they have a joint financial plan for the first time in like 20-something years of marriage. Wow. So that's, that's an accomplishment for that advisor, I think. Yeah, yeah progress. Uh, you know, and, yeah. and in reading that article, Veronica, I didn't come away thinking, oh, great idea for everybody to start doing. But I, right. I thought it was a great example of being flexible and, and you know, and the, the dual role of financial advisor slash marriage counselor sometimes. 
That's right, exactly. It's not always about the numbers. Sometimes you have to play a little psychologist, as some of the advisors well know. It's not always the most uh, comfortable thing to do for some advisors, but it's part of the job and being able to relate to people beyond the numbers, so to speak, especially if you've got a married couple. There, there's so much between the two. There's so much dynamics that happens you know, inside a home, as we all know, that to, to meet them where they're at. Um, but like you said, I don't think it's something that every advisor has an interest in doing these separate meetings with couples or has the time for. I mean, time is always such a in short supply for advisors. So this is just one strategy, but yeah, being able to adapt to the couple is important. Yeah, and and I, I love it. I think it's it's such a, a nice piece here. And and um, but you know, one of the Thank issues you. that we see with advisors um, in all the time is just making sure they're meeting with both partners, right? Both spouses, both That's partners. Right. Um, and, and this advisor, being flexible, made sure that that happened in whatever way possible. <laughs> uh, but you know, in, in terms of you know that being such a focal point, we need to make sure you know that we're developing a plan that meets both of their needs. That you know, you're you're meeting with both both partners here. Do you have any tips or advice for advisors in making sure that they incorporate both partners? That's a great question. And, and, you know, I've thought a lot about that, and I've talked to a lot of advisors. I've actually been lucky enough to talk to some, and clients, too. And what always surprises me um, with, uh, I hear from some end clients, is that there is not a whole, luckily not a whole lot, but there is a, still a, a, a fair, a surprising amount of advisors who have the, the, the meetings with the both, say, we're talking about a heterosexual couple, husband right. and wife, and the advisor is just still addressing just the man in a couple and not the, the female. And so, because perhaps the man is more engaged with the finances, they don't look to that woman to make sure she's mm-hmm. engaged and that she's interested. And so I think the first tip would be to just make sure you're addressing and acknowledging both members of the couple. I think that's so key. Otherwise, you really risk isolating that, that woman and losing her business once her husband dies because or they get a divorce. Exactly. You bet. I, you know, Veronica, I got, I got the opposite of that one time. We, we were, my wife and I meeting with an interior decorator, and we left the meeting <laughs> with two this. totally different decorators. We left, and, and my wife Heidi said, oh, what a great, you know, wasn't she great? I said, what are you kidding me? She's totally sexy. She didn't look at me the entire time. I have thoughts and feelings, too. And, uh, and I how that feels. Nobody likes that. Yeah, it's, it's, Nobody likes that. Well, yeah. Nobody <laughs> likes that. Yeah. No, that's really funny. Yeah. When you look at some of the re- um, it, research, oh, uh-huh. I'm sorry, go ahead, Veronica. No, I was going to say, I had a sort of a similar experience. My husband and I were n- relatively newly married, and we went to an advisor, and I, you know, because I, I work with this kind of financial stuff every day, I was the one taking the lead, and I was very engaged, and he actually, st- you know, sort of sat back and didn't say a whole lot, and I got to give, you know, it was sort of a, a bit of a, you know, what some people would say, like a, a role reversal, maybe not so much for all couples, but for some couples, and uh, I have to give the advisor credit. She really made an effort to seek him out and, and to check in with him to make sure if he had any questions and he knew what we were talking about, you know, whether it's different financial products or different goals and, and making sure he was comfortable too. So it's not always the female that, that feels uh, awkward. That's a great point. Exactly right. And, and we, you know, we often find that the best advisors are the best communicators and they've got uh, not only the ability, but the desire to get everybody involved. Yeah. And if you play it the mm-hmm. right way, right. you're going to get everybody involved. It doesn't have to be there talking investments every time, but at least periodically checking in with Mr. or Mrs. Client. It's been a while since we've had you in. would love to catch up with you just to see how, how things are going and if there's anything on your mind financially, when's a good time to go to lunch? And everybody That's can do right. that. 
Yeah. Everybody can do that, you know. And and also to your point, you know, having events that appeal to both, whether it's you know, a wine tasting or you know a concert that maybe both uh, spouses like, mm. having events that appeal that aren't so financial focused, that are a good way to kind of bond with your clients, but also talk to them in in a more social, relaxed way. Maybe if you have build those social bonds outside the office, they'll be more inclined to talk to you when they're in your office. Mm. Yeah, I pulled some stats on this in advance here today. This is the stat man for the day. Uh, and uh, uh, elite advisors in one of our latest studies, and we said elite, we mean they're bringing in at least $5 million clients a year. They're losing very few mm-hmm. clients, and they're very satisfied with their careers. Um, 100% of them had recommended or insisted that both spouses are involved in the financial advisory process. And those are what we I consider to be the right. best of the best. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, that's great. That's absolutely, yeah, I think that's so key, right? Because you want to make sure both spouses are on board. And also, I think you want to make sure you're you're protected and everybody knows what's going on and, and is educated and will make them more of sort of sticky clients. And I, I think that's exactly. what your sur- survey is showing, that, that that's what the top advisors in this field realize. And uh, that's why they're, one of the reasons they're successful. Yes, Absolutely. absolutely. Veronica Dagger here, gang, uh, Wall Street Journal columnist. Thank you for joining us. And uh, if you're not checking out Veronica's work, you should be. She writes some great stuff. And follow puts her, out some follow great her videos. on Twitter. Yep. Veronica, thank Thanks, you so guys. much. Oh, my pleasure. All right. Our next question today comes from Instagram. This is our first Instagram question, which is fantastic. Um, if you have a question, hashtag Ask Stephen and Kevin. You can use it on Instagram. You can use it on Twitter. And this question is from Douglas Bronsdorf, and he says, um, What's your take on performing cleanups on LinkedIn connections? Thanks for submitting. What do you think, Stephen? Yeah, short answer, yeah, do it. And do it regularly. Um, you know, I was thinking about that question, Kevin, and uh, trying to think through, does it really matter? If, you're, if you focus on quantity versus quality, let's mm-hmm. say you're a new FA and you're really trying to go wide and you have a ton of connections, do you still, in fact, need to go up, uh, go in and pare down connections? Yeah, and I think that's the broader question with, with, with this with this particular question is do you focus on quantity or quality? Um, depends upon your strategy. Like you, I think you're exactly right. You're a newer advisor. You're going more mass. You probably don't care as much about the, the quality, and I don't think you should get wrapped up in going through and auditing a 1,000 connections. If you're a veteran FA and you're focused on an introduction approach through LinkedIn, then you probably do want to go in and clean that up. Um, we were thinking about in in the book – um, and this book, which is, there's a shameless plug. Do you like, do you like that, Steven? This is two episodes in a row. <laughs> no, I'm not going to, every episode you say, um, we actually broke it down and we talked about with, with each contact, um, the amount of contact you have with them and also the type of relationship you have with them. And there's like four quadrants, right? You have strong relationships, you have dormant relationships, you have superficial relationships and you have weak relationships. And what you could do, if you really wanted to do a thorough audit, you could do something like that. If you've got a lot of time. <laughs> you have a lot of time on your hands. you got but a lot of time. It'll make you think hard about who you have really good relationships with, who, who's a dormant connection that you've kind of fallen out of touch with. And it won't be that bad. If, in fact, you have 150 connections, That's it's right. not going to take too long. But if you have 1,000, no, no thanks. I think the only thing I'd go through is if you're in the quantity camp and you're really mass prospecting on LinkedIn, you still want to go through periodically to make sure you don't have anybody – who uh, is a threat to your network, a competitor, perhaps. That's a, that's a great point. Yep. Uh, and you still want to go through and weed out anybody who might have a bad reputation. 
you don't want to be linked to someone online who, for whatever reason, uh, you know, it's frowned upon in the community. Yeah, maybe they did something they shouldn't have done. Yeah, who knows? I mean, yeah. there's a lot of reasons for that. Uh, and by the way, if you go in and unconnect with somebody, disconnect, unconnect, okay. you, uh, they're not going to be notified. They're not going to get a message saying Stephen uh, no longer wants to be your your pal. So should you do it? Yeah, you bet. Go in and do it. Uh, you know, we went through and did ours. We have a ton of connections, and we went through and did ours recently uh, for the same kind of mentality. So you should stuff. see how many uh, questionable characters we had to take out of Kevin's network. You know, I was thinking, I, I remember I was coaching an advisor on LinkedIn, and he was disconnecting from someone, and I did say to him, oh, now LinkedIn just shot an email to that person. Let them know that you've disconnected. And I thought his, you know. He totally flipped out. <laughs> now, yeah, and we do get the question sometimes, well, wouldn't it show if in their people you may know section that now I'm available in that section? Uh, yeah, sure. But let's not think too much about this. Obviously, you care uh, not enough about them to uh, want to stay connected with them. Why do you care if they notice? Right. So shifting gears, here's the next question from Chip underscore Mon on Twitter. What are some ways that you'd suggest prospecting in a vacation market? How much time resources would you spend on this? Sounds like Chip, Kevin, uh, Chip wants to spend more time in his vacation place. Yeah, it sounds like uh, Chip wants to relax a little bit here. He's looking right? to blame Stephen and Kevin here so he can go spend more time in his vacation He's, he's going to tell his team, hey, I'm, I'm prospecting. <laughs> Watch come this on. video here. Yeah, Watch. I mean, come on. Uh, I think this is a really good question, and we've worked with advisors who, who've done this in, in a vacation market. I think, I think it's going to be somewhat similar to any kind of prospecting in general, though. I don't think it's going to be vastly different. Yeah, and, and we were totally kidding uh, in giving Chip a hard time. We know Chip. Uh, it's a great thing to do to prospect in both markets. If you've got a mm-hmm. vacation home and you spend time there, why not? Right. Um, and it doesn't have to. We've heard people say, "Well, that's where I go to to wind down." Well, yeah, but you're winding down typically with friends and uh, and COIs perhaps down there who are either wealthy or connected to people of wealth. Why not get a little business out of it? I, I agree. I think, and it's going to be a lot of social prospecting. I think I think you do have to tread somewhat softly there too at first, you know, in terms of building relationships with people, but. Uh, I think it could be huge. Um, and uh, you just hit upon something with the COIs. I think the, the um, CPAs and attorneys who live in that market permanently and aren't just snowbirds or whatever it might be, those are going to be great people to build relationships with. Yeah, it's almost like you're starting fresh as a new financial advisor. Uh, you're mm-hmm. starting fresh with networking in the area. You yeah. can join a few groups there or, or visit a few social clubs. I like the new advisor analogy. You know, you just, you go in thinking, I'm a, I'm a newbie. I need to meet people. I need mm-hmm. to get involved. I need to meet COIs, which by the way, if you're thinking about timing, go down there in the off season. If you got a beach place, go down there in the off season. Huh. That's when you're meeting COIs. Yeah. I mean, that's when they're less busy. That's when things die down there. Uh, perfect time to get out and meet them. Uh, so should you do this? Absolutely. Or are we saying everybody go out and buy, buy a vacation place to prospect? Uh, make your own decision there. <laughs> make your own decision. Right. But uh, but it can be very effective. Right. Great question, Chip. Thank you. This one I don't even get, Kevin. We're throwing in a fourth and bonus question. This is the bonus question. This today. is uh, from at adhunt23. Ask Stephen and Kevin, is Glenn dead? <laughs> no idea. Is Glenn dead? Um, so at first when I got this, um, I was a little upset. And when I, when I saw it come through, I was upset because this is a Walking Dead reference. This is a pop culture thing, Stephen. You know? <laughs> and, uh, I don't and, have time for all the TV. Yeah, uh, and, and, and I was a little disappointed because he definitely spoiled it for me that Glenn is probably going to die on the show. Uh, so thanks for doing that, Aaron. Um, uh, and in turn, thank you for doing that for all the viewers out there. Very nice of you, Kevin. But but, the, but they don't know if he's dead or not. Oh, okay. See, right. he, he's there's curious about it. So anyway, I, I wish I wish I had time to binge watch TV. <laughs> that must be nice. You know what? 
It it is nice when you work at like a ten to three schedule. I mean, you can watch a you can knock out a series. I'm in a like government a week. worker. <laughs> no, anyway. Um, again, thanks for all your questions today. Have a question hashtag Ask Stephen and Kevin. You could ask us basically anything you want to ask, even about Walking Dead. Thanks all. <laughs>